0: Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the third eye doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Zainab. Hi, hi there. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very well. Um, I saw your post on LinkedIn about this whole rant about, you know, mm-hmm. coming from an Iraqi family living in the UK, and I thought, oh my God, you know, I've got to speak to her.
1: It has to be, yeah. I, I love a rant,
0: I do love a rant, you know. And I and 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 um, I mean, it's a bit unfair for the listeners to be honest because I'm because I'm picking my guests rather than the, you know, rather than my listeners. I'm not what the
1: people want, I'm not what the people want. <laughs> Hopefully, we can change it by the end of this podcast,
0: you know. It's not, I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I I guess it's just having conversations with with people I think who are interesting and um. But do you know what? I think you're, I think you're the third Iraqi on the podcast. So maybe maybe there is a bit of a trend there. Yeah, you know, maybe there is a bit of a trend there in our podcast. Um, But I think you know we're a we're a diverse bunch as Iraqis.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah, I think um, it's really easy. I think people even physically they're like, you don't look Iraqi. I'm like, what does an Iraqi look like? We you know, it spans so many different skin tones, so many different hair types. Yeah, there's no one.
0: I mean, what are they thinking? Yeah. I mean, you know, when they say Iraqi. Is it is it sort of like um sort of Saddam like kind of characteristic? I, so.
1: I think it's it's fanatic fanatic Muslim looking is what I I reckon they're they're angling at.
0: I think I was aiming for that when I was younger. I was definitely aiming to be a fanatical Muslim Shia. That was my whole kind of persona or sort of you know i I try to sort of give that off but i'm 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 just too kind for that you know i'm I'm such a weakling you know just if i see someone suffer I, i sort of fall to pieces
1: yeah i'm i'm exactly the same i've had many many arguments growing up with lots of sunni friends uh actually me having to defend shia islam kind of and me kind of on the back foot, not instigating it. Because one thing my parents told me to never discuss, which has not actually worked for me, is never discuss religion or politics with friends because it will always end badly, which I think is like somewhat good advice. Have I always taken it? No, um, but yeah, I think there's so much hate between between the sex in Islam. And I think there's, yeah, there's a lot of room for love.
0: Yeah, I mean, um... I mean, I was kind of defending, like the underdog. So when I was with with my mates, I'd be defending Shia Islam, and then when I was with my parents, I'd be like arguing against Shia and sort of more, you know, with the Sunni kind of point of view. That's you. funny
1: because we're both we're both very similar.
0: Yeah, and it was weird because I was always thinking about the underdog. So you know, whatever the general narrative was, yeah, I was like, oh, but you know, how about I mean. Apart from football, of course, then, you know, you have to support <laughs> Liverpool or otherwise. Oh God, we're going to clash. It's, it's Man United and
1: my family. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this this Liverpool-Man U thing, I, I remember when I was in, because I was born in Iraq and, you know, over there, you know, your uncles, you know, just talked about football all the time. Mm. And it was always, even then it was um, between Man U and, and Liverpool. Oh wow, and, that's interesting. Yeah, and occasionally, you know, you had a bit of Tottenham there. Um, yeah.
1: So, so I was born in I was born in Blackburn in the north of England. So we were actually Blackburn Rovers supporters, and me and my brother had pictures of us us in the kits. And then I don't know when it happened that we just jumped to Man United. But then I've always sold it as well. I was born near Manchester, so yeah, that's that's my excuse.
0: Yeah, I mean, we came came here at the age of four and we went to Nottingham. So I supported Nottingham and this was during the sort of the late the late 70s when they were winning everything. Um you know I guess we you know we like the winning formula isn't it if 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 someone's winning then it you know it it really entices us. Um <clears throat> and then Liverpool started winning everything in, in the 80s. And then I got really depressed in the nineties. I was clinically depressed in the nineties because Manu winning everything. And it was just a horrible time. And it made me totally disillusioned with football. And I stopped, you know, supporting mm-hmm. Liverpool and and sort of I, I, I sort of disengaged emotionally with football. Yeah. Because of Manu winning so much.
1: It's interesting. My my family are literally diehard fans. And yeah, they get very, very emotional and angry about it. But we'll cu- we'll come to the topic of anger and Iraqis, I think, as well. Because that's so that's sort of to die hard on. manu or? Yeah, die
0: or, hard uh, manu. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. You and not a bad word.
0: <laughs> and, and like, you know, because your family's from Karbala, I believe.
1: Yes, they are.
0: Is, is is that a sort of a Karbala thing, the manu thing, or is um, that?
1: Not sure to be honest I've never really heard I think it was more they got into it when they came here so
0: mm.
1: yeah I'm not too sure
0: well I mean that's the thing isn't it you know we are we are attracted by that sort of winning formula mm. you know the winning team you know it's very attractive yeah. yeah Um what what won it for you I mean apart from football and apart from sort of Blackburn what what, what really won it for you as a as a young girl growing up here
1: um taking it back to something you mentioned earlier in terms of of fighting for the underdog I think that was always me as well and I've always had a real sense of like justice um and fairness and for me as a British Iraqi growing up in the era of the Iraq war was just like super something that really really engaged me and I was like just by some small twist of fate, I felt like that could have been me. I could have been there. That could have been my family. And we were just very lucky that we managed to get, they managed to get out. And I have a very different life. So I felt like justice and fairness was something that was really, really tied to me. It then became really apparent that justice and fairness was only when it was relevant to Arabs, or when it was relevant to Shia Iraqis. So if I was trying to defend Iraqi Sunnis, or, you know, other people that wouldn't necessarily that doesn't fly, which, which really kind of, yeah, used to grind my gears, especially because I grew up as quite a conservative Muslim. And I'd, I'd kind of throw it back, probably you can, you can resonate and throw it back. I'm like, but that's not, that's not very Islamic. That's not, That doesn't quite sit with what, you know, Islam says. Like, I'm a bit confused. Um, So, yeah, I was sent to quite a religious uh, Arabic school on the weekends. My brother got to go to a way more chilled Arabic school, and he used to come home and, like, tell me all these stories of, like, the fun he'd have and, like, how he was messing around all the time and, like, just having a really good time. I was sent to an all-girls Arabic school, which was really strict, and I was the one who was forever like, Kha'wah. (laughs) <laughs> which means like auntie, it's like a respectful way of um, addressing someone who's older than you. Um, and I would be like, Hala, but what, but what, this doesn't make sense to me. Like, why is this like this? And I think I was probably her, her pet hate in that class. Cause I would always just qu- question things, but why? And interestingly, the response was always from my parents anyway, just because, and it used to wind me up. I'm like, I want to know the reason why. If there's a, if there's a logical explanation for this, explain it to me whereas I think I was shut down quite a lot in terms of this is just how it is you just got to deal with
0: it I mean what specific things really um grinded your gears at that time
1: I think so as an example um I used to wear a hijab uh like a head covering from about 9 to 15 I was really really nervous about telling my parents because yeah my parents are both really really deeply religious um and yeah I kind of felt somewhat pressured into doing it but then I was also I was basically guilt tripped it was like well you don't have to but you know you're going to go to hell if you don't kind of thing and you know your mum wears it and like people expect you to wear it kind of thing so I felt slightly coerced into wearing it though it wasn't like forced um so yeah when I started to rebel at 15 I was really nervous about telling them I remember when I spoke to my mum I was like, okay, this is what I'm thinking of doing, like, you know, testing the waters. And her response was, Well, you can't do that because people have seen you in it. And I was like, What kind of what kind of explanation is that? And then I went to my dad and I actually sat there for ages. And he was like, Yeah, I was too scared to say anything. We're watching some BBC documentary. And he was like, I hear that you've got something to you want to talk to me about. Your mum's told me something. And I was like, Oh shit, okay, it's happening. And then and then his response was. Okay, well, you know, you can't because in Islam, X, Y, and Z, and like started to explain it more from a religious point of view. And the difference in that for me was like major because I was like, okay, it really annoyed me and pissed me off that my mum, my mum's response was, Well, you can't, people have seen you in it. And I know that's like translates across loads of brown communities and like black communities, probably of, you know what does a community think? What will they say? And that just used to really, really wind me up. Um, and the focus around almost everyone else's happiness comes before yours is Mm. yeah, tough.
0: And, 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 um, I mean, what, what, what happened at the age of 15? You know, you said that the sort of 15 was the, was the milestone.
1: Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't go to a great, I didn't go to a great school. So I went to a a state school that, that wasn't very great. I didn't necessarily have my talent harnessed. Um, It was very much like a, it was a tough school to go to, you know, it was teen pregnancies. It was, you know, stabbings, rivalries, you know, people basically it was, it was either, you know, conform to messing around Or be bullied, basically. So I kind of fell into that trap where I wanted to be cool. Um, And actually, it was really superficial. I just felt like I was an ugly duckling. Um, And, you know, everyone around me, you know, that I was hanging around with had their hair out, makeup. And yeah, it was quite superficial. I was just like, I just feel like shit all the time. And I just don't want to. And, And it kind of then... Came out that actually, yeah, I never wanted to really. I just felt kind of pressured into it, and then I started wearing my scarf a bit differently. You know, you tie it around here. I had a rose in it that was like really trendy at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then people at school were like, "You might as well take it off. Like, you, you know, you're not wearing hijab properly." And then I was like, "You know what? Maybe I do just take it off."
0: Um, were these Muslims that said those things, or was it yeah, Muslims?
1: Yeah, yeah I was quite upset because it was one argument with someone who. Yeah, just turned around and was like, well, you don't even wear your hijab properly anyway. And I was like, firstly, you don't even wear a hijab. So I don't know where this is coming from. Um, and yeah, and it was quite, yeah. And I, I felt like I'm just gonna take it off basically. Um, and yeah, I started to act up in classes. Um, I actually found my school reports the other day and the grades were always pretty decent, but it was always that she talks too much. She's always talking. She's, you know, if only she could stop talking. <laughs> Um, which was quite
0: funny well yeah I mean I used to be yeah motor mouth in in class I think I
1: read your book and and that was that was something that came through which made me laugh I was oh like, yeah, my same. god
0: <laughs> yeah I used to I used to talk so much yeah uh, I mean I definitely had ADHD sort of by today's standard yeah um uh in those days and um but I mean I, I never felt as though I fitted in ever in any kind of place i always felt mm. a bit odd and odd one out um
1: yeah what was your school experience like yeah
0: i mean i went to a comprehensive so it was called comprehensives in those days and it was and it was a boys school of course because you know um uh my mum's father and grandfather were all well known imams and uh islamic orators and and um uh yeah well known scholars and my my granddad on my dad's side is a is a well known orator as well um so yeah it was look you know you can't speak to girls, you can't look at girls, you can't touch girls, you can't mm. do anything like that so um yeah it was like half yourself wasn't it
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah, <laughs> you know you weren't yeah. complete at all, so it was a bit yeah, it was a bit lopsided, really. I was a bit wobbling, mm. hobbling more. Well, hobbling. What?
1: How has that changed for you then, like then versus now, in terms of feeling like you belong somewhere? Do you feel that still? Or...
0: Um. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely accepted that um, I can belong anywhere, you know. It doesn't have to be one group or one particular way of thinking or one society or, you know. Um, but I've certainly become much more conservative. I mean, I mean, whereas before I was sort of a lot more sort of rebellious and sort of more, a lot more left leaning. Mm. You know, as I've got older, yeah, as as mm, I've got older, okay. I've I've realised that you know it's actually quite good to sort of conform and sort of be within the system because it, um, because you live longer, and mm. so I'm I'm thinking more about
1: that's interesting.
0: Yeah, longevity rather than, um you know, showing your mark and showing your individuality. Interesting. Um, and that's because I'm getting old, you see, and that's why.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I may be in that in that <laughs> halfway phase where yeah.
0: So you kind of like, you know, with the wrong crowd and then you were sort of uh you weren't totally sort of uh bought into the whole hijab sort of uh way of living and um was there any kind of regrets that did you think oh you know I'm in the wrong family and in, in the wrong uh, part of the world um
1: I don't think so i I I love my family dearly and I know how much they love me I think I think there's always been a sense of my family's not proud of me you know I just constantly disappoint them you know and that's not a nice feeling to have often people when they share things about themselves, it's like, you know, one of their aims in life is to make their parents proud. So especially maybe in this, I mean, in lots of different cultures, actually, um, and including like UK society. So it's quite a hard thing to kind of accept. And it's its only in the past couple of years, to be honest, that I've accepted that I need to make myself proud. And like, if I want to sleep at night, then it's me that I have to care about. Um, so I didn't necessarily regret that. I've also... In, I maybe did I did resent it at the time I think more in the past few years I've come to appreciate what being from an Iraqi family is and has done and I'm really proud of it but yeah there was definitely some moments where it was really really tough
0: yeah yeah and and, and how, how, how did you come to that conclusion that that you're sort of proud to to have come from from that heritage
1: I think because I realized it's made me it's made me who I am I think for a long time I kind of resented I resented the hypocrisy I think of many Iraqi Muslims many Muslims more generally and I think I pulled away a lot from from my faith because I was like well this is just you know I'm not gonna be preached out by people who can't abide by kind of their own their own words, right? So, you know, I've I've been called un-Islamic by people who have been backbiting. So backbiting is something that's forbidden in Islam. So you shouldn't be talking about someone behind their back without them present. So yeah, ironically, I've been called, you know, un-Islamic by people who are backbiting and Mm -hmm. and saying that uh, behind my back. So it's things like that that kind of steered me away. And I think I was, it took me a long time to understand that culture is different from religion and actually even if i don't you know i want to take the learnings of islam not necessarily the rigidity of it because i think there are like lots of religions you know it is about being ultimately a good person like i don't see religion as you know i don't think it has to be as restrictive i think it does come down to being a good person and if you're a good person i think that's really good um so yeah it took me a while to detach from the culture and the religion And actually appreciate the culture and it's such a rich culture like there's you know i know everyone will say that about about where they're from but the iraqi culture is so rich and yeah i'm always really sad that i just can't travel travel there and experience it and yeah
0: when when was the last time you were there
1: so i went there just after saddam hussein got taken down so there was a very very brief period where i guess people were just happy that he was gone and the the power fight hadn't started yet people weren't weren't organizing well enough at that point to think about it so my parents pulled me out of school they said okay we're going to take two weeks for easter and then they wrote a letter saying you know we want to pull them out for two weeks so i got given homework and and yeah we went and that was the first time so when was that i guess i was like maybe 11 that must have been exciting yeah super exciting super exciting I don't even think I was scared I was like really excited I was meeting like you know extended family it was a really emotional trip my dad hadn't seen his siblings who were in Iran for about like 20 years like something like that like he hadn't seen them for a really really long time so it was very very emotional Like that reunion like is etched in my head where we were at a religious mosque um what do you call them? Like shrine. Rag? Yeah, shrine is the word yeah. I was looking for. um And yeah, I just remember my auntie just running and hugging my dad and just sobbing for like a really long time. So yeah, it was a, it was exciting. It was emotional. It was strange because people knew you weren't from around here. Even to my parents, they'd be like, "Where are you from?" And my mum would be like, "Here, this is my home." And they they would know. They're like, "You're not from around here." Um and yeah, me and my brother had braces at the time. And they were like, what the hell is that in your teeth? <laughs> and I was like, this is gonna help my teeth. And, and they'd have their tea. So we have traditional tea and like a little teacup. Uh, the tea, the sugar is half the amount of the tea. I was just like, it was, it was, yeah. But it was lovely. It was, it felt like real community. Like we'd all sit around on the floor, on the sofra, like a big uh, yeah big kind of plate setting and it was just lovely like to have such it was it was just such a big family kind of gathering and it was it was really nice it's like, really lovely yeah it memories. was like
0: sort of daily daily banquets basically
1: yeah yeah exactly like they were obviously oh they were they were so excited that we were there they were slaughtering animals for us which is like a tr- traditional thing
0: yeah it's
1: like a good luck good luck thing i guess like yeah yeah a respect thing um yeah, they were super excited to have us there. They were just like regaling stories of, of like the old days. And something that was striking was for my mum actually. So they left in what, let's say, let's say the 80s, um, maybe a bit earlier. Um, and my mom was really surprised. She's like, when we left like all those years ago, uh, they were using like gas lanterns. Like, yeah. And she was like, I can't believe they're still using gas lanterns to this day like they were on generators like the electricity would go out all the time and she was like it how has it not progressed like you know iraq specifically was one of the most kind of advanced nations in terms of healthcare and things like that and to see it to see it like that i think was really tough for my parents
0: and and um your brother's older or younger than you
1: oh my brother um he's He's my older brother by a couple of years. I yeah. I, I think he will admit that I'm probably the older the older sister.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. know, the much mature, the much wise and yeah. You know, the yeah. person everyone goes to for advice. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. I, I'm sure he'll be happy to admit it.
0: Yeah. I mean I was I, I was quite lucky because I um I was sandwiched between two sisters.
1: Oh, okay, you're the middle child. How yeah.
0: was that? So I got, you know, some really good um uh, techniques of you know how to manipulate and how to use you, uh, you know psychological um warfare and all that kind of stuff there you so... go there you go <laughs> yeah
1: but yeah that was me growing up my would get get my brother into trouble
0: yeah. bless him and then and be me then... really upset
1: when my dad would tell him off <laughs> be like, don't don't tell him
0: off yeah yeah I mean and then and then and then my uh younger brother um, you know, he, he, he used that whole thing and then he became the sort of, you know, the new Darth Vader. And,
1: wow. You so know, you're, so... you're, you've got four, you're four. four. Uh,
0: I've got another two brothers who came oh, after my, wow. you know, younger brother. So, wow. um, I've got three brothers and two sisters.
1: Wow. Big Iraqi family. Yeah. yeah. My, my parents on both sides have really a lot of siblings. Uh, and then with my brother, it's just, just him and I. So yeah. Uh, they
0: stopped you stopped know, the two, um, Devious, uh, conniving twins. Sort of yeah, <laughs> yeah. To
1: be honest, I've said to my mum, "I'm, I'm glad you didn't have more kids. I can, I can just about cope, cope with my brother, and that's i I'm, well, I'm, good. I'm yeah. good. You know.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, it's all scheming and sort of, you know, how to get one, one, one up on each other. That's exactly. all we do as as siblings. Exactly. You know, all, exactly. all six of us, Aww. constant, constant battle.
1: Yeah, I can imagine
0: um so how, how how long did you stay out there for um when you were uh, a, when a you're month. taken out of school
1: a month so it was quite like uh. uh quite a long time which was really nice really strange obviously to come back and sad to to leave um yeah it was it was an interesting time they kind of were like I have always thought my Arabic is very good and they were laughing at, at my brother and I's Arabic they're like Oh my god! Why do you sound English? I was like, you should hear my half English cousins. They sound English like they, we speak good Arabic. Um, so yeah, that was funny.
0: Well, wow, well, wow. and 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 then um, I mean, how 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 did that affect you? Sort of going to Iraq and coming back, you know, how did that sort of change you as a as a uh, uh, you know an Iraqi born in Britain?
1: Mm, I think it it took me back to like that justice that sense of injustice I guess of oh my god I'm going here I I can see the like poverty I can see the struggle and yeah I think that again shaped kind of who I am today in terms of I'm all about kind of equality a sense of justice you know fighting for the underdog even when it's not you know maybe socially acceptable in whatever circles um that has been a key theme throughout throughout my life, and I think that that trip really shaped that in terms of, yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of who I am. Um,
0: do you, do you, yeah. Did you get involved in politics or sort of activism? Um,
1: so what? I, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one. So I actually was supposed to study politics, so I was really, I was like ready to get involved, um, and I applied for politics at uh, SOAS University um and my backup was manchester so i really wanted to leave london because I, like, I need to get away from my parents obviously they were like you're not you're absolutely not moving out of london i was like, okay i really wanted to go to SOAS because it's so political it's one of those political unis you can get so i was like i really want to go there um i didn't get in for politics so i just missed out on a grade so i got two a's and a b um and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to get, I really want to go to SOAS. So a friend told me, a family friend said, get in on clearing for Middle Eastern studies and then just switch on to politics. So I was like, okay, cool. I went, uh, I did it, got in through clearing, went to try to change to the politics. They're like, we're absolutely full. They're like, you can do law and politics or law if you want. And then I was like, hmm, I'm in an r And then obviously swayed to kind of society and what they tell you. I was like, you know what? Maybe law isn't a bad shout. Like maybe it's better to just go full full law. I can do some elective modules. Uh, so I did government politics in the Middle East and things like that, which I actually really enjoyed and ironically got quite decent grades for, much higher than my uh, law modules. And then, yeah, kind of then I would go to marches, you know, Palestine marches and protests and things like that. I didn't have the confidence, I guess, to 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 push it any further than that. I don't think I was surrounded with the right people necessarily at university. I didn't that, you know, my family doesn't have that nature. So yeah, I think I was like, kind of shied away from it. And I always wanted to be that person, but I never felt like I could live up. I could never do it justice, I guess. So I just never tried, which is an interesting theme theme in my life, so.
0: Were your parents involved in politics?
1: No, mm. not really. Not mm. really. My dad's very uh yeah, he thinks a lot a lot of crooks and yeah, just yeah.
0: So so he left um by by sort of choice or was he was he um um so he actually
1: that? moved to from Iraq to uh Iran and he actually spent quite a few years there. He went to university there, mm. um, and then when the revolution happened, uh yeah. He like, Upton left. Um, and that's when he got married to my mum, and they were in Kuwait for a bit, and then they both came came to Blackburn. Um, but he so even though he's really religious now, he actually wasn't very religious back then. He only actually became really religious when we moved to London. Even in Blackburn, he he wasn't religious. Um, but yeah, he would always say what happened with the revolution was just terrible like people should have the choice and it shouldn't be forced on you which i think is quite an interesting perspective from someone who is obviously quite quite religious now
0: so 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 that's interesting so he was in iran and he left because of the iranian revolution at the end of the 70s
1: yeah well he was also uh, involved in the iraq iran war and he served yes. in that and his younger brother his youngest sibling actually um sadly died on the iraqi side so i think that's something he's never really got over that they were both fighting on different sides because he was doing service in iran and he and his younger brother was obviously still in iraq and doing service there um yeah is
0: really, that because he's an iranian uh, national i guess
1: because he spent hmm. so long there right. he became right. so yeah i i've got access to like iranian citizenship as well as iraqi But he's never he never he didn't go back to Iran for like 30 years. Once when he left, he just left. He was like, I don't want to go back to the kind of regime that's like that, that's in place. Um, which is why he hasn't been
0: back since.
1: He did so after the Iraq trip, after he told his siblings who were all still in Iran, meet me in Iraq. Um, that was the first time he saw them. And then he's periodically before ill health, he's he's gone back a few times with us as well
0: yeah yeah so I mean did you go to Iran a few times then during the yeah um, a few yeah. times
1: a few times uh risky business to be honest uh we had some family friends who I grew up with who were there at the same time so it was quite fun for me so we went paintballing with a group of my family friends family uh but it was a mixed group so it was it was girls and boys um which you're not allowed to do in iran so everything is segregated mm. so we were followed by like secret police and i was due to leave iran the next day but i'd gone in on an iranian passport so if they had held us they can do what they want to you if, if you've got an iranian passport so mm. i mean they, they seem to do what they want if you've got a british passport but you know it's even worse if you have if you go in on an iranian passport but i was too young to understand that at the time um and I was really annoyed at my parents when I realized afterwards, like, why did yeah, you take yeah. us in on...
0: Everything, we just blame the parents. Anything goes wrong.
1: <laughs> that was, that was in fairness. That, that was their fault. I was like, how could you take us in on an Iranian passport? They're like, it's easier, blah, blah, blah. know like, if something goes wrong. Like, it's not easier, is it?
0: But... Yeah, but they didn't know that their, you know, rebellious daughters were going to go out partying and... and paintballing. Bloody... Paintballing it, it was. It yeah, was pain. right. Yeah, right. paintballing. balling. <laughs> Mixed paintball. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's code. It's code.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I went to Iran a few times. I mean, you know, we've got a mixture of Iranians and Iraqis. And, you know, if we go back about four generations, it's Iranians. Um, But, you know, we're very much with the regime, you know, the regime and the revolution. Um, That was my kind of upbringing. Mm, Um, Okay. Interesting yeah and and when I was in I, I remember I was in Iran in '84, and it was being bombarded by the Iraqi army. It's sort of quite surreal. it's like, yeah here's gosh. me born in Iraq, sort of deflected over to Iran and wow. now being bombed by the Iraqis. and That's, yeah. um, my dad was doing a lot of you know sort of charity work there, and you know for the Iraqi refugees.
1: Nice.
0: Um, my mother lost two of her brothers during the oh. war. That's so really uh and and two were kind of missing so we were kind of you know they were sort That's of looking really for sad. him and you know that kind of stuff and um yeah it, it's just it's mm, just uh, the trauma a mess, really. that yeah it's the trauma <laughs> that
1: that I think people people forget I think they think with the Iraq war the trauma exists with that generation maybe or people suffering in Iraq but actually it's it it you know, back dates to to British Iraqis and like what their families went through yeah, there yeah. as well. It's like, yeah, the yeah. trauma just continues. Well,
0: we kind of, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I you know, I very much feed off kind of sadness and and pain mm. and and suffering. Yeah, it my friends gives me uh, fuel.
1: My friends laugh at me. They're like, you. One friend in particular is like, you make yourself more sad. He's like, you're the type of person who will play music and like look out the window and like cry. I was like, that's an accurate accurate explanation of, uh, yeah.
0: Well, there's a lot of depth there, you see. You know, there's a lot
1: of depth. Yeah, it's like cathartic. It's like how I see it is people don't lean into their feelings, right? They, They push it down, push it down, push it down, and it erupts. And actually, I even think from an early age, I've always been quite in tune with my feelings and like sadness. And I don't think, I mean, there's negatives to that, like my mental health suffers because people say you know you carry the weight weight of the world on your shoulders like if something happens in iraq or the middle east or anything else in in the u.s with you know black americans i really i harbor it and i'm like wow the world is a really messed up place um and for a while i would just see it like that I was like, i'm not having kids i'm not i'm not bringing kids into this world like look at it like why would i do that um yeah. And I had to really fight for in the past few years, especially like, no, there is good in the world. Like there's a lot of good people wanting to do good things and there's glimmers of like happiness and hope. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, um I mean, my point is, is that there's a lot of wisdom in, in this aspect of life, mm. Um, you know, the sadness and the sorrow and, and yeah. the suffering.
1: Totally. Uh,
0: but from that, you know, you can bring out the the, uh, the positive and, you mm. know, the productive in life. And I think that's what, I mean, that's why I wrote my book is, is to show that. I was just going to yeah. say
1: your book. It was really, po- it was a really positive book. Like, I yeah, I
0: it mean, it's really it's positive. very dark. It's a dark book, but mm. then there's always a glimmer dark at of times. Yeah. Dark at times. There's always a glimmer of hope there, even mm. though it's. Um, yeah. Know, it's you do like it with like a and...
1: uplifting tone and maybe it's because I had a chat with you before I read your book. So I kind of. I knew your personality slightly, but like it, it really shone through the book and there were lots of really like funny bits that I was just smiling. So I was like, oh my god, we're very similar.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, laughing and, and sort of comedy is is um something that that's part and parcel of the Iraqi way of life, I think.
1: Yeah, it's true. It
0: yeah. is true. Um I mean, my earliest memory, I was probably about three. And um, I was in Kurdistan at the time. And all I remember was just, you know, essentially laughing and farting like that. You know, that was my way of life, really. I love and, it. And, um, you know, you eat, you fart and then you laugh and then you yeah. do it again. And Amazing. What, and, what great, what a great ethos for life. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, what was... I mean, I'm 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 really interested because because I've got two daughters. They wear hijab, mm-hmm. and you know, one's kind of okay. The other ones, you know, I always get the sort of dirty looks constantly. Not that I'm the one who's like, you know, doing all the hard work. It's it's my wife because yeah. you know she's really, you know, um, she's a real stormtrooper, uh, so to speak. Um, it must have been a massive decision. For you, which not not wearing? Oh yeah, not wearing it. Yeah, it it
1: was, it was because I was young, right? Like I obviously at the time didn't think I was young, but I was I was only fifteen. Um, I think it's it paved the way, it opened the way for the disappointment, right? So anything that I did after that, it was just like, oh, here she goes again. Here's another one. Add to the list. Um, but it was tough. My dad didn't speak to me for about three months my mum was really off with me she she I guess couldn't not speak to me right because I had one parent not talking to me so obviously two is, is very intense but yeah it was tough and even up till now like you know the years would go when my dad would be like I'm not walking out the house with you without a hijab put a hijab on or I would walk around and I'd you know we'd see a family friend and he'd be like put your hood up and i I was constantly like on edge of what you know when I'd be out and about, of being seen without it, being seen with makeup on, being seen dressed in a certain way. um Even recently, my dad's been unwell, and i be like, "Dad, let's go for a walk." He's like, "In those tight gym leggings." I'm like, "Well, who? What, what? What would you want me to wear on a walk? I'm wearing gym leggings." And it would be like, "Yeah, I could see the embarrassment that he he faces when he we're like we bump into someone." So, and that yeah. hasn't changed. Not much. It has it has largely, but my dad, to be honest, doesn't leave the house much anymore. So that's probably the only reason why it hasn't. But um, yeah, it's it's not changed dramatically now.
0: But you've changed, I mean, you've become more comfortable in your in your own skin.
1: Yeah, I think it took a really really long time, but yeah, I'm I'm I'd like to say I'm probably the most, and people probably say that as they get older. Like I'm at the most comfortable as I am I've done a lot of internal work on myself um a lot of unpacking with mental health which I think uh yeah is a massive stigma obviously in lots of communities but particularly Arab and Iraqi communities where it's not really seen as an issue it's like especially I think for generations of my parents for example right it's like let me get this straight. So I uproot my life and move to a whole different country, an un-Islamic country. So my mom always says, you know, we didn't want to move here. We wanted to raise you in an Islamic country. Like, you know, obviously rebellious me will be like, well, why did you come here if you don't want me to be X, Y, and Z? And, be, and it would be heartbreaking because she'd be like, we didn't want to come here, right? Like I would have wanted to raise you in Iraq as you know, Iraqi in a Muslim country. And so that was really, really tough, tough to hear. Um, But yeah, there was no, understanding or recognition. It's like, what do you mean mental health? Like, we like, you know, just get, get out of here with that chat. Like what mental health? You know, we just we just persevere, we just keep going, we just, you know, in many ways, stiff upper lip like the Brits, like, you know, we just keep going. Like we don't break down, particularly mothers, right? Like we don't, you matriarchs, like heads of family really. And then the men obviously with the toxic masculinity of also can't break down. So it's quite a bad combination. So, yeah, I had to really, really, to be honest, invest a lot of time and money into myself to get therapy, to exercise, to really do things that, yeah, none of my family have really done to this day. Um, and that's what keeps me going, basically.
0: What, what really worked for you? What really worked for you?
1: Um, I think for me... I had a really bad period where, uh, you know, I, I tried really hard, um, got an amazing job offer at a law firm in London, had a really bad time, really really bad time. So I suffered like a massive mental mental breakdown, and that's when I decided I'm I'm leaving. To this day, I still get asked by family members, "Well, imagine how much money you'd be earning if you stayed in law," um, and I'm like, "At the cost of my mental health." And they're like, "Yeah, like you know, can't have been that bad." And I'm like. Um, so yeah, some of the, some of the things that really worked for me, like one of the probably biggest things is, uh, exercise. So I didn't grow up with exercise as you can imagine in Iraq, it's hot as you know, actually it's hot. So my, my family never grew up with exercise. I actually never realized how much I like to be outdoors hiking. So for me, when I started to learn that I went traveling on my own around the world and I started to hike, I started to spend time in nature And it was just really restorative. I was like, found exercise and I was like, oh my God, this is making me feel better. This is like really, really doing something for me. And ever since then, I've been exercising regularly and that's been really helpful. Meditation. So interestingly, again, this is why I say don't, I'm not against Islamic principles. So Muslims pray pray five times a day. That's like a meditative practice, right? You're taking time out of your day to really focus in on something. Um, I, you know, stopped praying at, at one point, but actually meditation, I found super helpful as well. Super tough to do. But I remember at my law firm, ironically, they invited, you know, someone to come in and do a session on meditation during the time that I was feeling really bad. And we did like a, it was like a minute of meditating I just felt this feeling of euphoria. Like I can still remember sitting in that room being like, holy shit, man, like what was this feeling? Like, I just feel really like elated. And then that's when I started my journey on meditation, mindfulness. It was really funny because that birthday that year for my birthday, everyone started to get me self-help books, which I found super funny because I was like, all right, guys, you're telling me something. Like it was funny, but it's because they knew of my interest in that. Um, And that's where I really started like my interest and focus with the mind with the body I know that's why you know I knew I'd get along really well with you and reading your book really really struck because I know that's something that's not necessarily focused on in the Arab community or the Iraqi community but it's something that yeah helped me massively Uh,
0: and which country did you sort of enjoy the most visiting and and, uh, what happened
1: I you know what I did I did it I did it all so I did I did something like 13 countries or something was it that much maybe i'm exaggerating maybe it was 11 countries i did 11 countries in 8 months um top countries new zealand and colombia were like solid favorites i actually the first stop that i went to was colombia i didn't speak any spanish i was living at home at the time all my friends were like, you're not coming back alive. They're like, you don't speak Spanish. You've never lived out of home. Your mum does everything for you. She cooks for you. She cleans for you. You are not going to survive.
0: You're four four foot ten as well.
1: I'm four foot ten, four foot nothing. They were <laughs> like, what is going to happen to you on your own? And I was like, Yeah. I don't know. And to be honest, it was amazing. People basically thought I was Colombian, which I was like, okay. So actually, yeah, I got away with it because I looked like I was South American. So people just left me alone. Um,
0: Plus, you've got quite, you know, piercing eyes as well. And they think, oh, this is a fiery Colombian woman.
1: Exactly. But then they'd be like, there was this one woman in the train station. I was like, in my broken Spanish, being like, you know, I need this train time or whatever. She said, Colombiana, no? And I was like, no. And then I started to speak broken Spanish again and she was just tripping out. She was like, how are you? What? Like, I'm really cute. Why are you not speaking Spanish properly? And I was like, I'm not Colombian. Um, Which was, yeah, which was funny. But yeah, that was also one of the best experiences of my life. Like getting out of London, getting away from family, from expectations. Like that was really like, that really shaped me as a person as well. And like shaped who I am today and i i know that's not easy for many many people particularly young girls to do is in terms of you know i'm just going to go off and do that i actually to this day haven't really told my parents that i went on my own because i knew they'd just worry um but yeah i can't recommend it enough for yeah For and you know is the world
0: safe enough to do that what would you say
1: i to be honest i I found it safe. I think, Mm. you know, London is a dangerous place if you go to to certain areas at certain times of night, right? So I knew that I was on my own, I knew that I'd have no one looking out for me. So I had to be careful. So yeah, I wouldn't walk around Columbia at 3am at night, but I'd say don't do that in London as well. So, you know, it Mm. wasn't, I I found it by and large, you know, safe. There's obviously some parts of Brazil that I went to that was, oh God, I don't feel entirely safe, but yeah, by and large, I think if you're careful and you find people to travel with, uh, you know, constant communication with family and like telling people you're okay and giving updates. Yeah.
0: And you use your Zainab Sixth Sense as well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I know yeah. what's coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and um, I was going to ask you something, but oh yeah, what what, what did all this traveling teach you? What, what has it taught you?
1: Wow. It taught me... How to rely on myself ultimately? So, I'd been mothered. So, my my mum. We used to live near school, secondary school. My mum. It was probably like a fifteen minute walk, twenty minute maybe max. My mum would drive us even up till secondary school, up to year eleven. She would drive us, and obviously, that's really embarrassing. Everyone else was walking to school, and I'd be like, "Mum, park down that way." Uh, they actually did a documentary about my school uh, and my mum's in the video waving to the to the head teacher um, but yeah she wouldn't let us do anything we weren't I wasn't allowed to go on sleepovers I was hardly allowed to go and do anything like it was so restrictive so for me doing that I just learned how to how to just function Like I learned that if I didn't wake up in the morning and have a plan and get myself there don't get me wrong like I messed it up so much I I You know, didn't do it in the most economic way. I like, you know, would book the wrong, I one time booked the wrong plane ticket because it was easier to fly around Brazil. Got the wrong thing. It was 200 pounds instead of what I thought was like 80. And obviously I couldn't get my money back, like stuff like that. I definitely messed it up. But it was just such a good experience because nobody was doing it for me. I just had to do it myself. And It was so amazing because it was almost like a rainbow it's like okay cool you do all this work at the end i'd go on amazing hikes i'd see amazing views i'd have an amazing time but okay that's all because i did it like i put a plan together and now i'm enjoying it and like look at what's possible if i put my mind to it it was just an amazing amazing time
0: wow yeah yeah i'm not a great traveler you know no 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 i i I think i I I get too anxious really you anxious, yeah, 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 what yeah. what
1: makes you anxious about it? Just the moving around and like
0: no, just like catching stuff, particularly planes, you know, okay, I, I know quite
1: a few people who are afraid of planes. I'm actually very lucky that i'd I'd always traveled to the Middle East as when I was younger, so I was really used to planes, yeah. um, so, yeah, I don't have that I mean,
0: I'm not scared of the planes, but just scared of missing the plane,
1: oh, sorry, I actually so... know quite a few people who don't like flights.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, flights are okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've seen all the movies and how they yeah, fall yeah, down yeah. and blow yeah, up, yeah, yeah. and you know that always go through them through my mind. Yeah, and that's, that's still not... okay. You know, I'm still yeah. okay with that. But it's just, oh my god, I'm going to miss the plane, and and you know that comes from my mum as well. She's yeah. she's absolutely neurotic about yeah. You know, it's it's
1: interesting and... how things pass on from family. Because yeah, yeah. I lot. mean, I'm scared of spiders,
0: and yeah. my mom's scared of spiders. So yeah, uh, she's scared of heights. I'm scared of heights. Wow. So I, I was, I was, a, you know, a total mama's boy, as oh. I'm sure you sort of realised.
1: Yeah, all you know. all Iraqi Iraqi men are mummy's boys. My brother is, yeah.
0: And it's only until like I'd say five years ago that I've actually said "f you, mum." Oh no! Wow.
1: Oh really? <laughs> Wow, what made
0: you? What made you do that? I was just too sick. I was just, you know, as in like I want to do something, but I've got to do whatever the, my mom wants yeah. first. Yeah, and and that's just so contradictory to yourself. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm I maybe egocentric, and I maybe the ego that's talking, and maybe sort of in the broader scheme of things, maybe it's probably the right thing that that I do what my mom says or wants me to do. Mm. Um, but there's no learning there, is there?
1: No. And actually, it's interesting you say that because my, you know, my mum's probably enough can listen to this, so it's fine. Um my <laughs> my, <laughs>
0: my I'll, send her. Her, worry, yeah. I'll send it to her, don't worry, I'll send it to get
1: her address. <laughs> um so my mum had an arranged marriage and she had her who actually was her cousin, which I know is really um common in lots of different cultures, particularly at that time surprised at how common it is these days but anyway that's yeah yeah, it's still common it's still common yeah Yeah, I've got lots of relatives
0: and and Mm. in-laws and stuff like that yeah
1: really surprising so thankfully that that was before the time that you could take medical tests to check that your blood doesn't clash right because there's lots of you know disabilities that can come from that um thankfully my my brother and I were good um but yeah my grandma basically orchestrated that and basically kind of told my mum this is what you need to do so she did it she you know good iraqi girl did it and my grandma died actually when i my brother and i were really young and it's always been a thing my my mum basically you know was with my dad because her mum had told her to do that but they didn't get on you know they didn't they haven't had a great marriage um i don't think they'd be they wouldn't they wouldn't feel insulted to say let um, I say that because it's just the truth, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's been difficult. My my dad is eleven years older than my mum. You know, the rest, each one of them has had their own kind of challenges in life. Um, but yeah, and that's something that stayed with me. My mum always said, "I don't want to choose a person that you end up being with. I want you to choose them." a Funny story though. We're on the way back, uh, she's driving me back from uni. She goes, "Yeah, I want you to choose for yourself. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to put that on you. You should be choosing your partner." He's got to be Arab, of course. (laughs) He's got to be Iraqi. Wow. And he has to be Shia as well. Wow. It would be helpful if he's from the same, you know, you know, city as us, Karbala. So you went from the world, you went to literally... This group of people. So I, I, what kind of choice is that? You're well, not she can't let
0: you know she can't let go of everything all at once. Yeah,
1: you know? yeah. So, uh, so that was funny. Know, I was like, w- yeah,
0: one bit at a time. One,
1: one bit at a time. So yeah.
0: So, so who have you chosen then?
1: Ah, uh, I'm gonna. I'll say that for our next podcast
0: <laughs> podcast
1: episode. That's that's too much to. Unpack. But you've
0: chosen someone.
1: Yeah, I have a. I have a. I have an Good. inkling good
0: yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you know I mean I don't want to cause too much conflict yeah, for you too yeah I
1: I have I have enough conflict uh, <laughs> it's it's Arab-y standards is what I call it to my friends my my white friends they're like when I tell them and recount some of the stuff and you touched on it in your book I think there was like a, a section on it in terms of what was it like Iraqis or Arabs like love drama or or no they love arguing yeah they love debating I have never known people to just want to argue so much and I don't know if that's the trauma that exists like within that like country I don't know what it is they almost like don't want peace it's really interesting like even in Iraq now politically it's like you don't nobody wants peace like obviously the people you know but you know what I mean like there's always a problem there's always negativity there's always drama it's well, you see, you tense. know, you've got to
0: deal with demons. You either deal with other people's demons and hence, yeah. you know, you argue or you, you deal with your own demons. So when mm. you're at peace, that's interesting. you know, that's you have to deal with your own of... demons. And... Yeah. <laughs> and that's,
1: a, that's such a valid point because I say to my family all the time, therapy changed me, meditating changed me, staying out of people's lives and focusing on my own changed me. Like I'm so much calmer than I used to be. I always, I always used to bite. When things would happen within the family, I'd bite. Whereas now I'm just like, I let it roll off my back. I'm like, all right, you guys do you, I'll do me. But yeah, it is is sad knowing that family members are suffering because they won't get help and they see it as a negative thing. They see it as a, I don't need the help. It's like, we all need the help. Like everyone, everyone in the world, you know. Yeah, I, th- I
0: think pe- yeah. people find their own own way of sort of getting help and, you know, we mustn't underestimate that, you know, it may not mm. sort of coincide with how we find help. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, de- de- definitely, you know, I've, I've isolated more of myself from, from my, uh, you know, sibling family and parents, my parents separated. Um, and, you know, going back to what you said, you know, the only time we had peace in, in our family is when my parents were, were apart, you know, wow. it was you know, That's we, so we, interesting, yeah. we had peace and quiet, but once yeah, they got yeah. together, it was like two worlds uh, colliding. Yeah. Um, I think
1: it's like the stigma of, I think my parents didn't want to separate, but I've, I've always said, if you separated, the irony is my mom says, we stayed together for you, for the kids I'm like respect respectfully. Where you know, at the time, I was like, we're mid, we're mid twenties now. We're not kids.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, you know, that's that's taught me a lot in terms of me and my relationship with my wife. I mean, I had a, uh, an arranged marriage, and mm. you know, we've been we're together now for. Um, nearly twenty-two years. Wow,
1: that's amazing.
0: Um, so you know that sort of taught me a lot about you know what I saw with my parents and the yeah, that, the yeah,
1: that not, they went not...
0: through being married and mm. um, I think my dad wanted to marry my mom, so you know he was the driving force. Okay, um, that um, and you know for me growing up in the UK, I was a devout Muslim. She a Muslim. Didn't have any girlfriends. Didn't touch any girls whatever nothing yeah you know I was like ready for anything you know yeah, anything yeah, that yeah. was uh, marriable so to yeah. speak so happens a
1: lot doesn't and, it and
0: you know this was me coming through a UK medical school
1: oh yeah you were in, you in were the prime. 90s yeah you were <laughs> you must it's have been weird on, isn't on it how you can radar. have these
0: you know it's like how you can have these sort of isolated pockets of I mean, they look normal on the outside, but inside they're just like totally.
1: Yeah, my mum used to always send me pictures of Iraqi men. And there was one that was a a doctor. She sent me this picture of him holding a baby. And then my dad was like, (laughs) you better take him because he's a doctor. Like, what are you? Like, (laughs) Dr. Trump's lawyer. And I was like, wow, okay, cool. Like, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but it works. It works. I mean, it works, you know, this sort of hierarchy of. Of, uh, of value does does actually mm. work on the bigger scale. Um, mm. We just have to overcome our individual <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> objections. I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, it works. It, it works. Um, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, constant conflict. Mm. I don't think conflict will ever disappear at all. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, we need that kind of pushback anyway for us to.
1: Yeah, keep, I think it's definitely you know, shaped keep
0: toggling, you know, yeah. our our own uh, way of doing things and sort of thinking. Yeah, um, it's definitely
1: shaped who, who I am. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, any any um, plans of visiting Iraq in the near future?
1: I would really love to. The thing is, I wouldn't go on my own um so it's just about my mum's wanted to go back for years her and my dad did go back a few years ago but my dad was unwell there and had to go into hospital there and obviously the hospitals there aren't great um so yeah that was like a not obviously not a great trip so yeah I'd really like to go back probably with my uncles and my mum yeah I'd Mm -hmm. love to
0: yeah I mean yeah I mean my in-laws live in Iraq and my dad Ah, lives there as well when was the last
1: time you you went
0: well, um, I didn't go since the pandemic and that oh, was because God, of yeah. work, really, because, you know, work has been totally uh, nonstop. And I yeah. mean, my family went back, so they went during the lockdown, oh, um, okay. you know, because, you know, my wife needs to see her parents and, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um <clears throat> And, um, you know, my dad comes over once or twice a year. Um, oh, that's nice. So, yeah, I'm constantly there, you know, plus I... I I worked there for many years, so I kind of it's like have a second home attach- for me. Yeah,
1: have an attachment. Yeah, yeah. And pro- way more than way more than me. Yeah, but yeah I, I'd really know, love to go back. I mean,
0: there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of unconscious work there, you know, that you can do just sort mm. of go there and sort of realize who you are and what you're about and why totally. you do what you do. And totally, I think it's you know, it's it's, it's something that that constantly uh, speaks to you
1: yeah I feel like I feel like I when I was there, right, I was at eleven i'm thirty one now, so it will be like a very different and emotional yeah. experience in a different way. So yeah. yeah, you know what I keep saying I need to do it, but I'm gonna have a chat chat with my mum and see.
0: Yeah, have see, a chat. Have a chat, what, and what then and do. then you can let us know how it goes. And yeah, and, um, I'll
1: do a little vlog.
0: Yeah, sort keep, of. Keep Zainab, updated. <laughs> Zainab two point zero.
1: Yeah, with a hijab, probably. Yeah.
0: Why not? Why not? You know, the full, the full whack, the full month. Full
1: shebang. The full shebang.
0: I mean, it's been absolutely awesome speaking to you today. Oh. I, I know we can speak uh, a lot longer, and yeah, there's definitely. probably lots of things that we didn't touch up on. Um, Next time but I'm thank looking so forward much. to um your your thoughts because you know you've got some great insights and oh. you know you're a deep thinker and that's what I liked about the um, the post that you did on LinkedIn thank you so um, much Hayder.
1: thank you for having me it's been really really lovely it's Felt like a really lovely, relaxed conversation and I've really loved it. And yeah, your book is great. So thank you for putting it out. I didn't pay you for that, did I? World. You I didn't, didn't, not yet. Are you going to send me something in the post? <laughs> I will, I will.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. You know, you... But yeah,
1: check it out. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much.